Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Walking in LA. <laughs> walking in LA. Hey. Uh. Nobody <laughs> walking in LA. LA. It's yeah, so it's true. true. Nobody walks no. in LA. Yeah. And I was like, podcasting in LA. <laughs> Everybody podcasts in LA, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's also true. I also hate that song, but it gets stuck in my head randomly. You know, I, I think I've spoken of my theory of the songs that get stuck in your head and how it's always a song you don't like because it's always a song you don't know the words to. Oh, right. Because the only reason it gets stuck in your head is because you can't finish the song because you don't know all the words. You're like, singing and a bush. Yeah, and then you're like, dang it. And it just starts over in your head. But if you knew all the words, you just sing it, you'd be done. Yeah. And then you can move on to the next song. Have you ever seen those videos of the songs that sound like English but are, contain no English yes, words? Yes. Those are incredible. <laughs> That's how I feel like I sing in the car. When the song comes on, I start singing to it. I never know any words. How's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, we're just going to get into it today because, I mean, it's kind of in theme with the topic, right? Yep. How to play faster. Faster. Faster, faster, faster. Now, listen, first off, let's explain why do we want to play fast, Jimmy? Uh, It makes games faster you know one of the big things about our format about edh and one of the things that you'll hear people often call out as something they don't like about edh or multiplayer magic in general is just the length of time that the games take it just comes up as a topic it's like oh the weather's nice today it's like man oh gosh that game took forever yeah now some games are going to take a long time that's that is a nature of multiplayer when you're playing 1v1, that's obviously there's only two people involved and that's going to take X amount of time. And mm-hmm. then when you're playing with three or four people, that should take longer, right? That's That just makes sense. Yeah. More turns, more people, more decks, more cards, more everything. But it's not necessarily something that you want to happen. In general, you want the games to go as fast as possible. It's just, I mean, maybe there's people out there that, that don't enjoy it. But for me, and I think for you too, in our mm-hmm. play group, we encourage fast play because you just get to play more. So in any given night, if you're playing fast, you get more magic in and more magic in is good. Yeah, if it's a difference between uh, playing four games and two games, I would take four games where I messed up a couple of times because I maybe played a little faster than normal. For sure. By far. Yeah, by far. Because you get to play more decks, you get to just have more fun with your friends. I also think that playing fast fosters, in general, a better gameplay mentality because we don't have timers in EDH. You know, if you play tournament magic, there's a round timer. If you play online, there's a timer. But in EDH, you're sort of, I mean... People drink beers around the table. People are very casual. And so that can also lead to this mentality where it's like, oh, look at my hand, figure it out. And very, you know, just have just have the luxury of too much time. And sometimes that actually, I think, makes you a worse player because you just get caught in your own machinations or whatever. I think that it, talking about this reminds me of when I used to play poker with my friends. And there was one friend who, if he was facing the TV it would just take forever. <laughs> and so we always had to sit him with his back to the TV. It was like a joke, but it would be like, that's your seat, Ron. Yeah. And everybody's house, we'd host it at different houses, no matter what. His seat was oh, always with his back to the TV. 
and this is poker, it's not the same game, but it was just like, we want the game to move at a pace that keeps us interacting with it. If yeah. it starts to slow down, you, people start to th- pull out their phones. Mm-hmm. It's like a culture thing. So if the culture of your playgroup is slow play, it's actually going to sort of detract from the game because everybody will start to like not pay attention because yeah. there's just too much time and your brain starts to go like, all right, well, I don't need to look at these cards anymore, but I'm not doing anything. So, whoa, what's on the wall over there? Or yeah. What's on, oh, d- who can I text? Blah, and blah, I'd blah. say the other thing that people don't like are decks that are uninteractive and playing slowly. Even if your deck is all about interacting, if you play very slowly, you're actually playing an un- uninteractive version of your deck because it just takes you longer. And that just to other people feels like you're not really doing anything. Now, we're not saying don't think about your plays we're not saying don't have strategy or tactics. Just put all your cards face up and tell everyone everything you're going to do. <laughs> what we're saying is there's a, probably a lot of ways during the game that you can play faster or your playgroup can pay, play faster. And it's amazing if a couple people start to play faster, yeah. like purposefully. It's actually contagious, and it puts pressure on the other players, not in a bad way, just to start to play at a quicker pace to sort of match you. It's sort of like a psychological trick that you can play. So you... Maybe don't even have to have the conversation. And by the way, this conversation is good to have, and maybe you should. But even if you didn't, if you just start playing faster, I bet you'll find that, you know, it'll start to catch on a little bit. Where yeah. and and the inverse is true too. If people start to play slower, that will catch on. Yeah, I also find that the conversation is really easy to have. If you ask people like, "Would you guys want to play more or less games?" The answer is always going to be more. And it's just like before games, sometimes we go, "Hey guys, let's try to just play as fast as possible." Uh, within you know reason just so we can get another game in or like hey at gpla specifically i was like i have to make this event in 25 minutes that's the time we have for this game let's go and everyone knew that and everyone played at that speed and i don't think it affected anyone in terms of making a bad decision i think at gpla i said that almost before every single game i played because there were always like five or six people Mm -hmm. and i would always be like okay it's a big game we're gonna play fast right and everybody like yeah okay and the great thing about making that contract at the beginning of the game is that later on if somebody's taking a long time often, you mm-hmm. can sort of be like, come on, man, we got to move it. Yeah. And they know. They don't get mad. They're like, oh, yeah, we made that agreement. Okay, I'll make this. I'll just make yeah, a point. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing. It's not like you're shaming them or it's not no. like you're like trying to point anyone out. It's like it's we, we all agreed around the table that we're going to try to keep the pace of the game lively and quick. So that's more interesting for everyone because I've pulled out the phone in games before and... Once you start pulling out the phone, I start pulling out the phone, somebody else does. Before you know it, the game devolves and it's super slow. Yeah. And... That can be fine, too, and we're not trying to tell you, like, hey, your playgroup has to play fast, but I know this frustrates a lot of people, and they don't know how to combat it. And also, you know, it's sort of a PSA to the people out there that maybe are just playing a little bit slow and don't even know it, that there's a lot of easy ways that aren't going to stop you from having fun or doing anything different, yeah. really, that you can just quicken up your game, and it'll make it more enjoyable for everybody. And again, if you play more games, you have more fun. So. And you'll see more things. It'll actually maybe make you a little bit better. You'll see more different decks, more interactions. Yeah. You know, okay, enough right. about why playing fast is good. I think a lot of people can get on, on board with that. Yeah, I hope everyone's on board with it. I think it's a pretty universally agreeable thing, I think. I mean, if you guys, again, if you have a reason not to play fast, sure. It's just like you playing, like Phil and the Commander and guys, they play with their infinite rule where you right. you can't go infinite or I don't know exactly how it works, but they play with that rule and that's fine for their playgroup. And we're not saying, hey, Phil, don't do that. Yeah. That's great. Have your rules. This is just a way that maybe you haven't tried that could improve your playgroup. And if it doesn't, or you don't care about it, or you actively, actively dislike it, don't do it. Yeah. All yeah, right. Let's talk deal. about some techniques and ways that you can quicken your play. Oh, and specifically, I will note that a lot of these apply more to the early turns. Because yeah. the decision points, what crazy stuff can happen, is just much more at a minimum compared to the end of the game. Where I think we can all agree if it's just like two people slugging it out it can take a little longer because all of a sudden it's a different game at that point but let's talk about it establish the mindset early so we just talked about this just saying even the smallest thing at the beginning of a game makes a huge difference in the long run and i think if everyone if you you know make eye contact with everyone and be like hey can we all agree to this like let's try and do this you'll find that i would assume most people would be like yeah that sounds good to me even if people are sort of hesitant you could be like let's just try it once yeah let's just try to play fast um, especially if you notice your playgroup's just a little bit slow, I, I think people will be surprised by just sort of having a clock on them, just even yeah. if it's invisible, that it's actually not as bad as it seems. 
This also has the base assumption that everyone knows how to play the game. Yeah, if someone's true. a new player to the game, don't do, do not this. ask them to play fast. Yeah, no. we should have said this earlier, but yeah. Um, also, don't be a hypocrite. If you're the person that's saying, hey, let's play fast, and it's turn three, and you're like, hmm, hmm, uh, don't be a hypocrite. Stick to your word if you're going to be the person that's going to tell it as well to the group because you're going to be sort of the person to potentially enforce it if you're the first person to bring it up as well. Um, yeah, so that actually leads to the second point, which is play super fast in the early turns. So you you sort of alluded to this also, which is that early on turn one, two, three, four, it's very easy to make your decisions. You can even plan them out beforehand. And often in our games, it's like, land go. And by the time the first person has said land go, it's already their turn again. Because people just go land, 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 go. Yeah, exactly. You know, if there's a soul ring, soul ring, whatever. But there's not generally an EDH decks like, no, usually people aren't playing more than a card or two on turn one. Usually it's zero. Yeah. And then even turn two is pretty automated. Turn three, pretty automated. Now, turn four or five, it might start to have some decision points. But early on, just being like very quickly, go, go, land, go, pass turn. Yeah, and I like organizing my hand in a way that makes when I look at it go, okay, these are the first three things I'm going to do. This land untapped, this land tapped, then this land. Now, it may change based on the card you draw, but for the most part... There's no reason that you shouldn't know in general what you're going to do when your turn gets back to you because you're going to have a lot of time spent looking at your cards and it's actually good magic to like plan ahead, have an idea, have a plan, have a general sort of course for what you want to do during the game. That can always change, but knowing that is going to be benefit you more than not and it's also going to help you play faster. The next one is pass the turn as early as possible. This is a big one. I, we see it all the time. It, this, I'd say this actually speeds up our games more than anything else. Right. So let's say that on turn two, you play a Bloodstained Mire, and you're going to fetch a Swamp. And then you're going to Demonic Tutor for something else. You can go play your Bloodstained Mire, sack it, and say, I'm going to fetch a Swamp. I'm going to cast this Demonic Tutor. I'm actually going to go find this Swamp, and the thing I'm going to get with Tutor right now past turn yeah and now while the other person's taking their second turn you're doing the searching and stuff and so you're not making people sit there and watch you sack the blood say mire search for a swamp put it into play tap the stuff play the demonic tutor search your library a second time yeah put the thing shuffle it have somebody cut it then you say go that's yeah. like so much longer. The shuffling takes a ton of time. So if you're cl- cracking a mire and you know you're going to look through your deck again that same turn, don't just don't put your deck unless you're going to draw a card in between for whatever random reason. Just keep looking through your deck and shuffle it after. Um, keep in mind that with stuff like sorcery speed tutors, it is very illegal to wait to see the card that you're going to get and look at everyone else and see what they're doing during their turn. Technically, you're supposed to get it during your turn. Now, on turn two, this shouldn't really matter. You should usually have a pretty clear idea of what you're going to get. But if it's like turn 17, you demonic tutor and say pass turn and wait for them to do stuff while you look through your cards at the same time, you don't, don't do that. You're breaking yeah, the rules there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that all of this, oh, not all, but a lot of this play fast philosophy is sort of given that you're playing sort of like a gentleman's agreement, yeah. code of honor, there's going to be ways to game that system if you're playing fast in this way where you could sort of, yeah, tutor for something different or fetch something different maybe. Change your mind at the last minute. At a time when you really wouldn't have been able to. And yet that, I think, is so negligible, especially in a casual format. Obviously, if it's competitive, if it's a tournament or if it's yeah. at an LGS for prizes, you can't do a lot of this stuff. This is out. This is, you know, when you're playing at a store for fun, at a GP for fun with your friends, you know, at home at a play group where it's more way more casual yeah there's nothing on the line then you can shortcut a lot of this stuff and i think you know yeah stacking your your searches at the same time but also just if you take an action like you know a lot of times you're going to attack with a creature Mm -hmm. and that's going to be the end of your turn and if you're attacking somebody and they've got no mana untapped and it's turn two and you've got a two two and it's not like a kill you amount of damage you can be like attack you for two pass turn yeah like, you don't have to be, like, attacking for two. Yeah, I take two damage. Okay. Or even, like, attacking for two. What, you're attacking for me for two? It's like, it's turn two, man. Who cares? Attacking for two, <laughs> pass, pass turn. Just go. Just yeah. get it moving. Um, also, this this uh, does makes a lot of sense also for spells that might be countered. So let's say you cast something. There is mana to counter it. It's around the table. Instead of sitting there waiting for people to look at it and to acknowledge you, just go, 
I cast X. Any responses? And then look around the table. And the people need you to read the card, read the card. And if there's no responses, you cast it and you move on. Don't make the idea that someone can counter it or they draw an out affair. If the person's going to counter something, they're already on the lookout for it. And if you say any responses and everyone just says no or no one says anything, within a reasonable amount of time, you can say, great, pass turn. Yep. And say the words, pass the turn or your turn oh, yeah. <laughs> or go. This is like unbelievable and it happens all the time it happened to gp like constantly which was incredibly frustrating and i understand because people in that setting don't know each other yeah but it's also loud in the background but still make sure the person that's going after you knows that they're supposed to be going like that's a huge thing because i've this has happened to every commander player where everyone's sitting there and you're like all right who's and the guy's like yeah i said i said go yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, well, why aren't you going? And, you know, it's like, well, why didn't you say it loud enough that anybody heard? <laughs> Just make sure the person knows. Like, okay, your turn. Just turn yeah. and say it clearly. Just say it, you know. And it's also a group game. You know, yeah. if you hear someone say, okay, pass turn, and then the person doesn't hear them or they're doing something, yeah. you can be like, it's your turn, Michael. Or like... We do that all the time. Craig, it's your turn, dude. Yeah, and they go, oh, oh, yeah, sir, sorry about that. Because like, yeah, they'll be like, look, they're they're looking at the TV. Or looking at yeah. the TV, yeah, yeah. It's something, something else. Yeah, it is actually incredible how many times that happens it happens all the time it's it's not like frustrating like i want to strangle somebody it's just like mildly like come on just say it loud enough so somebody can hear it it's and always make this... sure make sure they they like register it yeah it's always the same exact sequence by the yeah. way it's like pass turn or or someone doesn't say anything and then whose turn is it oh hey man it's your turn oh you passed turn yeah yeah, yeah i did i said go how much time do we just waste? You're yeah. killing me. Yeah. And oftentimes, I mean, who knows if you even said go or not, or if you even said pass turn, but it always ends up the same where it's like, whoa, did you pass turn? And the guy's like, yes, I did. <laughs> um, pass the turn when you know you're going to be done. So this is similar to sort of the pass the turn as early as possible. Um, if it's turn three or four, you're going to play one card, see if it, the effect resolves or if it has an air battlefield trigger, do something with it. If you know your turn is done, pass the turn if you're tapped out after playing some effects or you're about to fetch for something pass the turn just pass it let's say you play a cross converge you tap the mana necessary for it you're going to get lands they're going to come onto the battlefield tapped you actually have no way of casting anything else at that point pass the turn don't wait for people to watch you fetch out the lands put them on the battlefield it's it's so negligible like what lands you're going to get whether they come in um, whether or not you're getting, like, for instance, if it's like a shock land, if it comes in untapped or not, like that sort of stuff, it feels so small in the grand scheme of how commander games are won that in general, if you're done and you're tapped out and you know you're going to be tapped out and can't play anything else in your hand, you should just pass the turn. Yeah, especially early. Yeah, especially early. Uh, the next one is pre-play your search slash shuffle effects. So, yes, it's correct to play your enlightened tutor, your vampiric tutor now that everybody's going to have... I know everybody's not going to have it, but it's still sweet to think about. Uh, <laughs> mystical tutors, worldly tutors. It's correct to play those on the end step right before your turn. It's 100% correct to do that because you have the most information at that point. Here's a little trick I like to do. I pass turn with one white mana open, and then I tap my one white mana and say, I'm going to play this enlightened tutor on the end step before my turn. But I'm going to go search for the card now. And if something happens in the meantime that would have made me change my decision then I reserve the right to do that. But I'm going to attempt to find the card that I want now because most likely nothing will happen that will change the card I'm going to yeah. get. And because and you're doing it on the end step, you will, you would have had I would have time. had the ability to change the card, but I'm just going to find the card that I probably want just because 90% of the time I'm not going to change it. And yeah. therefore I will have just saved us all the waiting there while I search for the card. And shuffle. At, and shuffle because I can do that during player two, three, and four's turn before it gets back to me. Yeah. Fetch land, same thing. Technically, you don't want to give out that information or whatever. Uh, and so you're going to leave that fetch land and, and only sort of blow it when you either need to get that land right now or on the inset before your turn. But yeah. come on, the negligible advantage that gives you is not generally worth the amount of time that it yeah. takes to make everybody sit there, watch you search for it, and then shuffle. Ugh. And then take your turn after that. Because yes. you essentially have now taken the end set before your turn, extended that. I mean, sometimes I'll, if I really am like, I don't need people to know this is this, I'll put it face down and be like, this is what I got right when it's my turn. Yep. Um, and the same philosophy can be followed with Sensei's Divining Top, oh, which yeah. is going to be its own topic and aside on Sensei's Divining Top. I had someone Snapchat me about this recently being like, there's someone in my play group that complains 
that who was complaining that Sensei's Divine Tale was being reprinted, and I was like, "That crazy, that crazy." Um, but specifically though, because it makes games last too long, and I. We play in a play group where I'd say everyone has at least one Sensei's Divining Top. Um, you see one every game guaranteed, and I don't think it has ever significantly slowed down a game of ours because everyone's sort of on the same page. People often complain that the card makes games too long, but this is super avoidable. So for one, let's give some givens. Top is very difficult to remove. Yep. So it can tap to draw a card, and it places itself on the top of your library. So anyone tries to destroy it with a single target... You essentially have to put two spells targeting it to, to kill it. Um, two instant speed spells. Two instant speed spells, yeah. So, oh, sorry. One instant, one sorcery would work too. Yeah, right. Uh, as a result, people don't really try and get rid of tops. So if you're trying to be like, I'm not going to use my top because I don't. I want the ability to tap and draw the card to be there at any moment, don't worry. In general, I don't think anyone's trying to go after your top. So just don't think about that as a downside to trying to use it in the same way that we were talking about using instant speed tutors at the end of the person's end step before you. Just do it. Well, and you can do what I do, said I do with Enlightened Tutor, which you can say, I'm going to do this on the end step before my turn if yeah. you know nothing else happens. You can do the same thing. So Top's other ability is you pay one mana, and then you rearrange the top three cards of your library however you like. And the problem with this, not problem, but one of the issues you can run into is like, you know, you can rearrange it, then somebody does something, and you're like, whoa. I actually want a different card, and then you can rearrange it again. Yeah, without needing to pay the extra mana. Yeah. Because and, you, you did it at the right time. You're just trying to save people time. Yeah, exactly. And if somebody does something you need to respond to right then, you know, and you only left one mana open, it can that can get a little dicey, but it comes up so rarely that I still would be a huge proponent of just do it ahead of time. Yeah. And then if something happens where you're like, wait a minute, I would have rearranged this differently, fine, fine. This also gives you more, because t- the thing is it takes people time to figure out what cards they want on top. If you do it, you pass the turn, you're like, I'm going to top on your end step, and you look at the top three cards, you now have a lot of time to do it, and you can think about it and really yep. take your time to do it. I usually hold those cards off to the side just so people see that, okay, I have topped at some point, and then I'll you know hold them face down, and when that person says pass the turn, I'll be like, okay, that's the order I wanted. I put them on top, draw my card for the turn, and go. So don't think top is this awful awful thing it really just comes down to how people use it and how to i guess uh, it's kind of abusing the effect a little bit you're circumventing the legal play here but you're saving everyone a giant headache and you're making the card itself much more bearable to play with because i just i know people it's it feels so weird because anytime i see it in tournament play like in the miracles deck in legacy it doesn't take the player very long either and they're playing it completely legally it's one-on-one though i think it's different like it's your turn it's my turn but you but could potentially top, cards. but you could potentially top after player two's turn, then top again after three, top again after four, depending on what they've done. Yeah, I get it. You can still do those things. Just try to shortcut it when you can, which is yeah. like, like you said, in general, you can just sort of look at the top three during other people's turns and then order them right before your turn, and it's fine. Listen, yes, is there marginal advantage to be gained? You know, and if somebody's doing that, then maybe you don't allow it. I think most playgroups probably most people are honest most of the time. And, yeah. you know, we've heard stories, of course, of playgroups where there's some players who are a little bit, they skirt the edges of maybe cheating or whatnot. Well, if you have players like that, maybe there's certain things like this that you can't do. In the other areas, you can play faster, but you can't allow this kind of stuff. Fine. Yeah. And top specifically, both abilities can be triggered at instant speed yep. or activated. So when someone does something and it's like, oh, you know, I would have topped in response to that. It's like, guess what? You did top in response to that. You just did it very early. But that's the point you would have done it if you did it. Like, great. Now you are set in stone. You did it in response to this because they wanted to mill the top two cards off the top of your library or whatever. It's funny. We talked about top for so long, but it is coming soon. Uh, there's going to be more of them out there. So there's probably a lot of playgroups or some playgroups where there wasn't a lot of right. divining tops and there soon will be. Um, yep, just be aware of it and it can be no big deal. Uh, if you're not aware of it and everybody's just sort of doing it while everyone's watching, I, mean, I think that's the big thing about fetches, the top, mm-hmm. searching your library, tutors, is if there are moments in time where, and there's a lot of these moments where everyone's just sitting there watching one player search through their library and and find something or rearrange the cards on their deck or or things that are just are like sort of accounting yeah then that then you're doing something wrong there those actions those actions should be taking place during other people's turns when possible you know if you're shortcutting it correctly um the next one this is an interesting one just ask what cards do when they're played yeah 
or set the standard that you just speak out the card out loud unless it's something that's so obvious like a fetch land you know you don't need to say what's on there and if you play in this same play group often like we do you know most of the cards mm-hmm. you know and maybe if you're playing at a gp or you're playing at an lgs um you might want something like that but I do this all the time. We have a podcast about magic. We talk about cards all the time. I know a lot of cards. Mm -hmm. There's just very often where even a card's played that I know what it does. I'll still be like, what's that do again? Yeah. Just so the person will say it to the table. And now you'll just avoid some of that. Like, wait, oh, that's out? No, never mind. I don't want to do this. Yeah, the ultimate feel bad. And this happens a lot too, is like you'll play a card and someone goes, all right, well, it's countered. And the person goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I don't want to do that now. And it's like, well... Well, that just made my enchantment that much worse because I guess no one knew what it did. But if you establish that, then, you know... You're it, like, dude, I just read it out loud, like, yeah, <laughs> two seconds ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that, that yeah, definitely gets rid of the, hang on, I want to do something different. Uh, I'm and, not saying don't allow takebacks or anything like that either. Like, that's, again, for your playgroup to decide. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it'll cut that down. People will feel like, okay, yeah, you did, I heard you say it. Like, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't claim that i don't know that that card's out because you literally read it out loud yeah exactly um, yeah it's not going to stop that takes these backseas it's just going to cut down it by some percentage yeah um cap your deck this is a little trick it's a uh, little th- hat on top yep yeah, it's it's tournament magic this is something that you might think about doing more and, and you not- see very often in tournament magic as well yeah, and so it just means putting something on top of your deck. Usually I'll use like the top of my dice container mm-hmm. or just you can't put di- don't put dice there and not another card, but anything that's sort of weird like a coin, a quarter or something will work. Anything yeah. you can put on top of your deck that when you go to draw the card it makes you stop for a second. And this is to remind yourself of upkeep triggers mm-hmm. or triggers that you have to worry about before drawing the card. Because again, one of the things that takes a lot of time in multiplayer games is forgotten triggers, forgotten actions and this will remind you to take those triggers and actions and then you're not in these weird places where like we've all been in this situation right somebody passed their turn during the next player's turn they're like oh my gosh i forgot to do this thing during my upkeep and you're just like okay so what do we do do we cosmically rewind and redo all your decisions it was an echo trigger or it's like you didn't pay for your pact of negation like did you lose the cumulative upkeep yeah blah 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 and you know most of the time you don't want it's like okay it's an upkeep trigger it's it was forgotten let's rewind so that you can do it and that'll change what you do in the turn and that's it's fine it's i'm not saying be a rules lawyer what i'm saying is that takes time so you try to avoid it if you can and one of the ways to avoid it is to cap your deck so that it reminds you to do your triggers i've seen people do it with dice as well it can get a little confusing with dice because we were like like, did i put it on the six for a reason um but yeah like sometimes you use the little fuzzy thing yep from your thing yes there's lots of different ways to remind yourself that you still have a trigger there speaking of triggers the next one is combine your triggers when possible so you know magic's super complicated there's tons of cards we're playing with the biggest card pool basically of any format and there's weird interactions. And so you run into these situations where you're like, technically, here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to crack my fetch land, search for a land, put mm-hmm. it into play, then draw a card. That drawing a card will actually trigger me to put another land into play, which will be a fetch land, which then I'll fetch for another thing, which will make me draw a card. Which will and, and so what that sequence that I'm required to do is actually takes forever because I got to search my deck, then draw, then search my deck, then draw. Yeah. In those situations, I'll usually be like, listen... I don't know the top deck of uh, the top card of my library. Everybody knows that, right? There's no Oracle of Maldaya, no Sensei's Divining Top, yeah. whatever. In that case, can I just draw the two cards and then search or search and then draw the two cards? I don't care. You guys can choose which just so it's faster so I can search twice. Yeah. And, and like the, again, like the the me being like, well, what if it was the card you were looking for? Yeah. Well, then great. You just somehow drew it. Draw another card in replacement. You fetch the card you were looking for. Like just find ways to combine your triggers. If you can, the again, yes. Is there a way that this is marginally advantageous or disadvantageous or changes the odds or percentages on what you might draw in some way? Yes, absolutely. Is that percentage large? No, absolutely not. You know, yes, it, there's a 1% more chance that you would have drawn X card over Y, maybe. But it's such a, a small thing that it's just not worth it to make everybody sit there and wait while you search your library two, three, four times, drawing a card in between when you yeah. could just search one time and then drawn four cards all at once, 
Yes. Is that technically correct? No, it's not. But, you know, again, unless you're in a playgroup where somebody you think might be cheating somehow, then maybe you can't allow this. But most of the time, they're not, and it's just going to be way faster and better and, and basically create the same gameplay experience. Yeah, thank goodness for expediting that. Just try and do the fastest thing if you can. So often we're just like, listen, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Can I just do these two things? And everyone's like, yeah, just do it. It's like, hey, listen, I have yeah. a proposition. I have a proposition. It's not I technically legal, but... but uh, yeah, I'm not going to shuffle my deck a billion times to fetch a card, shuffle it, draw the card. And it's gonna, it's just going to happen. Just sometimes, forget about it. Sometimes, I mean, and this is pretty awful. I'm like, I'm going to fetch for this land. I'm like, and I look at it. I reveal the top card in my library. And I'm like, wasn't it? <laughs> and, then I'll, and I'll look through it and then shuffle it. But if it is that card, I'm like, great. <laughs> I, the rest of my deck is still 100% randomized, and I just happened to get the planes I was looking for for that fetch land. I'll look at the bottom card. Oh, nice. Because if it's the bottom card, I can be like, listen, I, I don't have to shuffle or do anything, right? I can just pull that bottom card, put yeah. it there, and I didn't <laughs> see anything else, so it's the same as shuffling, and most yep. of the time people are like, yeah, it's fine. It is identical to shuffling. Your yeah. deck is still a mystery box. It's question mark no matter what. It's, it's equally randomized. Um, all right, this is the big one. This is sort of the big note. If you don't follow any of the other stuff that we've said, this is the one that will speed up the games the most. And, and, we'll, and this like, applies to every part of Magic. The funny thing about this one is, because I made the outline, and then you, as our process, if you care, is that one of us will sort of outline, and then the other one will review it and revise it, and then we'll go back and forth maybe a couple times before we get to the final outline. And on this one, so I wrote down, think through your most likely play before it's your turn. (laughs) And Jimmy added to the front of the sentence, really, comma, really (laughs) think through your likely play before it's your turn. So, you know, you got that this was the most important one also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on how to figure out what you're going to do before your turn starts. Yeah, sequencing is really important in Magic, and it's maybe like the most important thing. But you can shortcut a lot of it by just... Yeah, I mean, how often does this happen too? Like... It's like player two goes, player three goes, player four, player four, player four. Huh? Play your four cards, player four. It's, yep, it's your turn. And they're like, oh, look at their cards as if they've never seen them before. It's turn seven, dude. You've been holding most of those cards since the beginning of the game. Couldn't you have used the time during my turn, player two and player three's turn to sort of have a good idea of what you might want to do? Exactly. Uh, Well, okay. There are lots of ways to do this. Uh, and again, we could do a whole episode on this, but look at your hand. Look at how many lands you have. Look at the rest of the board. What cards in your hand are you likely to play? Usually when I'm like, when someone else's turn, I'm looking at my hand, I go and I, th- I say, there's cards that say, this one's for me and this one's for them. Right. This one's for them means like a cyclonic rift or something that affects someone else's creature, like a path to exile. And this one's for me is like Oracle of Moldiah. I'm trying to build my board out or a Gilded Lotus or sometimes it's both, Guild of Lotus into this, into this. But sequencing is very important here. So knowing what cards you want to play in what order because you can either optimize and try and ramp out and do something huge or you can just say, like, I'm going to hold this back because I want to do this right now and I know I want to do it now, so that's what I'm planning on. And that's just having a plan, right? And it can be a little bit malleable. So you can be like, okay, right now my plan is not to Cyclonic Rift, but it's a little scary out there. So if a couple more creatures get played, I might push that to the front and Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh, Jimmy goes, Craig goes, now it's my turn. They didn't actually add to the board that much. So it's basically the same as it was. So maybe I'm not playing that Cyclonic Rift. And now I can do that other play that I thought about was in second place. Yeah. Um, The other thing is just who you're going to attack. Now, again, that can change. You can be like, all right, if nothing happens, nothing weird happens, I'm going to attack this player. Mm-hmm. And then some other player does something to you and you're like, nope, now I'm going to attack them. You could also premeditate, like, I don't know who I'm going to attack. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll a dice when it's my turn to attack. And you can know that so that you don't have like this big thought process that has, has to happen when you go to your combat phase of like, oh man, who am I going to attack? You already thought about it. Yeah, you already thought about it. You have a good reason to. And it also helps with the whole like, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to swing it. I guess you. Well, what are you going to swing? Me, what are you swing? And then the ensuing two-minute conversation where then you decide, you know, I'm just not going to swing at all past turn. Yeah. And that is frustrating because it's like, you could have passed turn a long time ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I do this all the time, Again, too. I love the political aspect of the game, and that adds to the game, and it does add time. But to me, that's interactive because it's two people interacting. True. But, yes, 
you're right because if you want to play fast one of the ways to do it is pre-decide and then you can't it's harder to move you off of it right mm-hmm. it, deciding in the moment it's still up to negotiation so yep especially in the early turns again later on when when people's like their whole the whole game's on the line where an attack might actually kill somebody or get you killed yeah fine you can think about those for a little bit longer but in general you know like okay if nothing really changes out there big time then this is probably what i'm gonna do it just predisposes you towards certain actions you can also go a step further and be like okay well you know especially early turns you're like well these two players have no creatures mm-hmm. so if nothing if neither of them plays a creature then I know I can attack one of them. And so I'm going to choose this person or I'm going to roll a dice between them. Because how many times does this happen where somebody's like, okay, attack. Um, you have no creatures? You, how about you? How about, what are you talking about? They have the same amount of creatures. Yeah, nothing changed in between. Yeah. Unless you watch them change it. You yeah. Know, like or cast the creature. It's like you know what's going on. Now, it can be confusing with so many cards on the table. I get it. I'm not trying to like throw shade on people. I'm just saying like if you pay attention, you can narrow it down. Well, I know these two players are the ones likely to have no creatures. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, think about what cards potentially are going to be played to stop you from doing that thing. So, I mean, this is in general good to know. Like, hey, that person has counterspell magic up. If I try to like decide to attack them and cast this spell against them, I will probably get countered. So if you, if that's your only option in your hand, then you you know what you're going to do that turn. Probably not play anything and just pass the turn or find something else that doesn't get you countered. But if it's like, I can do this to that person or more ideally, this thing is an issue. I don't think anyone else is going to be able to take care of it. I'm going to have to do it. This is what I'm going to do. Then do that. But if you know you're going to get countered or like, you know, like, oh, they're going to do mother of runes, mother of runes and protect this creature, <laughs> then you don't want to do it, obviously. Right. It's just... It's just seeing the board, thinking about your plays so that when it comes to your turn, it's not like that's the first time you're thinking about them. Uh, Another thing you can do is start to get things ready that you may need. So Mm -hmm. if you're playing an Omnath deck and Omnath's out, then you can just have your tokens ready. You're going to probably create some tokens. It's not going to be surprising to anyone. If you're playing a Marchesa deck, you can just get your dice out, you know? You can have just start to get some things ready. Again, does this create marginal advantage because people may know what you- yes. Yes, right. it does. I get it. <laughs> Listen, it's just not that big a deal most of the time. And if yeah. it is, you don't do it in those, you know, certain instances where you're gonna be sneaky or surprise people. But most of the time, like you're playing your Marchesa deck, Jimmy, and you can start getting some dice out. It's like, yeah, duh. Duh, yeah. This was gonna happen. This is what the deck does. Like it's not surprising to anybody. Like, yeah. you know. Although if you go back to like uh Paula Trick and Josh, you'd be like, guys, he's getting his counters out. Yeah, <laughs> which I would totally do. And maybe against me, you can't make those types of things. But most people don't do that crap. Yeah, um, <laughs> that crap. You just yeah, called yeah. your own politics. That oh crap. yeah, yeah. It, like just because it works doesn't mean like I love it. True. Now here's the thing too. Like I don't do it every time, right? Yeah, you can't, no, you, you can't, can't have because take, people get numb to your, it. Yeah, your tricks will get old. You know. Yeah, a lot of times. In fact, I'll go maybe a whole months where we'll play three or four different sessions and I won't politic very much at all yeah. because I'm just trying to reset the thing because everybody knows, like, don't listen to Josh. <laughs> so that's become a thing. Where that's I'm how like, I operate this podcast at this point. <laughs> I just have to stop listening to you. <laughs> I mean, it's to the point where there's certain players where if I try to start to talk to them, they will actually, that will cause them to attack, to you. attack me because they're like, you silver tongue, I don't trust you. I'm coming after you. Yeah. You know, and so... You send them into PTSD. They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so that to me, I have to counter that by sometimes just being quiet and sort of getting them numb to, or making them forget about that aspect. And then yeah. I can start to like say stuff. Um, anyway, that was a tangent. The last one, this is going to be controversial. I, I think a little bit. Yeah. And I've started to do this a lot and I did it a ton at GPLA just because those games, I just, we couldn't, I, there was too many people to play with and I didn't want the games to take longer and yeah. anything I could do to speed them up. I was willing was for to the do people. No takesies, backsies. Takesies, backsies. And we talked about this a little earlier, but yeah, you could instill this group and I kind of like it. You don't have to make it a rule. You can just sort of say it and be like, I'm going to try and do this. And just don't do it. You know, this this is, I think, one of the things that contributes the most to the length of, you know, casual multiplayer games is just like forgotten triggers. Oh, I forgot to draw two cards. There's a mm-hmm. howling mine out. Oh my gosh, when you cast that, this should have happened because I totally forgot because it's complicated. Yeah. The board states are crazy. There's a lot of cards and not everybody knows them. And yet, you know, oh man, I forgot to like activate this ability and search for this thing before my turn and I should blah, blah, blah. And yet 
just take the hit. Yeah. Just go like, dang it, I forgot. I'll do it next time. Maybe it even cost me the game. But in the long run, that'll contribute to, one, a culture where Taxi's backsies is slightly frowned upon or at least like it's just not something you do. And two, just speed up the game. Yeah. And also, it'll make you a better player. Yeah. Um, I think getting the ability to always be like, oh, I take it back actually makes you worse over time because it, it means you're not as careful. You're not planning out your turns. You're not paying attention to what's on the board. And, you know, if you're trying to become a better Magic player in general or better at Commander because the Commander is a very intense game in terms of how much stuff is out there. Like, I don't blame anyone for doing Taxi Backsies because so much stuff is happening. But if you follow the announce your cards when they come out, read it to the table, make sure everyone knows what's going on, then that's all the, all the better for you. Uh, in general, as a player over the long run, I think. Yeah, I really like what you said about how it'll create... Because if you're lazy about it and you always allow takesies backsies, then what's the impetus for you to actually pay attention and not play sloppily? Yeah. There's none because there's no penalty if you forget. Yeah. If there is a penalty and the penalty is that you're not allowed to, and this could be self-imposed. Again, I'm not trying to say all playgroups create a no takesies backsies rule. <laughs> I'm just saying like if you self-impose it and you're just like, I'm not going to do that, it's actually going to make you pay attention to the game more because you're yeah. self-imposing a punishment on yourself for when you forget things. And yeah, I did that all through GPLA and it was great. Yeah. It was fine. I, I, I missed things and I forgot to do stuff. And you know, I was like, yep, that's on me. And I'm just not going to ask for a take backs because I just don't want the games to like, I don't want to add that amount of time to all these games. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of streamers do pushups if they punt or do uh-huh. something incorrect. And like when you're playing on Modo, there is no takesies backsies. That game is brutal online because yep. you can't take anything back. If you miss something, you miss it. Um, so I really like that because it's like, oh, I got to do pushups now or whatever. But in this case, it's like, oh, darn, I might not win this game or I might not take this player out the way I wanted to. And I guess that's the other thing, too, is like you wrote down here, which is great. There will be a next time. You know, remember it next time. And if you follow these rules and if you follow these guidelines to play faster, there's definitely going to be a next time because you might get an extra game in that night. <laughs> Think about that, too. Like if a normal night of EDH, you play three or four games. If you get a one extra game in, you could get 20 to 25% more games in on yeah. any given session. And that's like a lot. That's a whole nother deck you might see or a whole nother look at your deck, mm-hmm. which will help you improve it because now you've seen more of it more times. There's just a lot of advantages to playing quicker, playing faster. And again, getting your whole play group into that will, I think, like the best Commander Knights for me in our play group are the ones where it's just clicking and and at the end of the night you're like man we played four games in two hours like yeah that's they're half hour games it was great and they're four player games and everything was just moving and you know you have more stories that night than you would have and more things happened i mean I, those are the best yeah i like it quite a lot um speaking we mentioned this on the uh podcast a couple of weeks ago millennium blades the trading card game uh, where it's like the game, the game that encapsulates all of what magic is. There is a rule in that game which says straight up no take backs. If you mess up, you mess up. Like fix it next time because this is a simulation of real life. You know, you can't take back stuff from real life sometimes either. And I thought that was hilarious because it actually makes you really sit there and be like, I got to know what I'm going to do. I got to make sure this works before I do it. Right. So very cool stuff. All right. To the listeners. What are some strategies you use to speed up your gameplay? Yeah. How do you press fast forward? Uh, yeah. How do you move? Game? How do you move quickly? What Clicked. did we miss? There's probably a lot of stuff we've missed. And optimization for this sort of thing is a weird, wonky field because it requires everyone to be on the same page, to agree, to not sort of be trust like, each other. Trust each other. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I hope. Uh, I hope you guys come up with some stuff because I would love to hear how people across the world do it, you know? Well, I'd love to adopt some things myself because, like, yeah, I think we're pretty fast players for EDH players, but there's always ways to get to improve, and this is an area that, you know, definitely is ripe for improvement. Not to mention that, I don't think we talked about this, but it is satisfying to play quickly Mm -hmm. and to know, you know, you're moving like a samurai through, like, you know, you're, like, cutting stuff up. You know what you're doing. You know, you're like a master chef in the kitchen. You know, you're getting that meal out fast, and it's also going to taste good at the end. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I played that that draft against Kenji, uh-huh. and I'm nervous because Kenji, and he's really good, and, you know, I'm he, he drafts basically for a living, and one of the things I prided myself on while playing him was just I was playing fast. Yeah. You know, I was like, boom, boom, attack, da, da, da. and he was super fast, too, because he plays all the time, obviously, but... You know, after walking away from that game, 
that was one of the things I took away. I was like, hey, I played pretty fast. That was good. That felt good. And you won. Well, yeah, that too. Lifetime 1-0. 100% win rate. <laughs> Have we rate. mentioned that? Maybe I should mention that on like every cast until well i know well, kenji does not listen to the podcast yeah, no, so maybe someday play. the problem <laughs> is where he's gonna have a lot of shots at me in a couple of weekends here so there's oh, no way i'm still true. undefeated yeah true um all right on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic for the first time ever jimmy and i have the same, same end step. step when you when you wrote it down i was like of yeah i was gonna write this if josh didn't this clearly. is a first time ever 110 episodes wow First time ever. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, pretty crazy. This is 110, right? Yeah. And that's actually, it's 112. <laughs> There's two sideboard episodes. So, Oh, that's right. 112 episodes. First oh, we time. Did, we did two set reviews, so this is like 115, because those set review episodes were absurdly long. <laughs> but officially. <laughs> so we're like at 150 episodes yeah. at this point. So 217 episodes, and the first time ever that this has happened, we have the same. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Overwatch. Overwatch. Yay. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. So zap, fun. Zap, zap, Yeah, it's super fun. It's like League of Legends meets an FPS meets, it's like Team Fortress 2. Team Fortress League of Legends kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. It, it's great. Um, I have not had this much fun playing a game in a very long time, and I do not buy games anymore because I spend so much time playing Magic, or I just don't have any time to play video games on the side, um, unless a very special game comes around. And the last game like that was like The Last of Us for me. Jeez, I can't even remember because I still buy games because I'm dumb. <laughs> like, I bought Full, Fallout 4. Yeah. Because it's Fallout 4. Yeah. I played about I'll get, 30 I'll, minutes of it. Guess how long I played it for. I don't know. 10 minutes. Zero minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Straight zero. I have not played it. Is My it nephews came over and they unshrinkwrapped it and played it. And I was like, that looks cool. I got to go back and do adult things. Yeah. And yet Overwatch. You're like, God, got to go make some guacamole for these kids. <laughs> and yet Overwatch, I've played like the last four nights. Like, I'm yeah. a, what time is it? I'm hoping like I can get a couple games in tonight. Like, games last like 10 minutes. It's, it's amazing. Great. It's super quick. It's super fast. If you guys don't know what it is, it's the brand new first person shooter released from Blizzard who has a, how do you say this? A perfect track record <laughs> in terms of Blizzard video games. is straight amazing. They're the Pixar of video game companies. Yeah. I think most people consider them to be the best game developer in the world for video games at least yeah i mean I, I don't riot and league obviously is the biggest video game it's but the that's, biggest yeah. but it's one they've got one thing blizzard just consistently diablo starcraft warcraft like Hearthstone, it's, world of warcraft uh, it's insane insanity and yeah. the polish of this game it's it's just it's an there's it's unreal. just second to none blizzard is amazing yeah they have teams you can just tell there's a lot of love put into this game you essentially play on a team of six people and there are different positions there's support tanks snipers um healers all that stuff, and you're trying to either capture objectives or push an objective from one end to the other. Um, and the teamwork aspect is great because every time you die, you're able to switch to a new hero and you're encouraged to uh, because that means you get to choose a new person that has a new skill set of tools that can kill people in a different way or like, oh, they're all grouped up and use this person. There, yeah. yeah. So it's this really fun, interactive, constantly evolving game type. And it requires you to play different things. So you're never really even bored playing the same character because you're always switching it up. You're always trying to do stuff. And it's super satisfying to get kills. It's very satisfying to get in there and, and like really wreck house. The One of the amazing things, and I think Blizzard is at the forefront of this thought process because they do it with Hearthstone too, is is taking away the things in games like this that cause sort of rage and trolling yeah. and and uh, people yelling at each other. Like, there's no big stat sheet at the end of any game that shows you how well everybody did in mm-hmm. relation to everybody else. And so as a result, it's hard to be like, you noob, you, you know. Yeah, you did this, you didn't help this out or yeah, whatever. you feeder, like all the stuff that you would hear in a lot of the other games it just can't happen because you don't know. You don't yeah. know that this guy died 27 times. I mean, you know, you might have some idea that a, <laughs> one player is weaker, but you don't really know. Yeah. And, and it actually is really great because it takes away that negative aspect. Hearthstone is a game 100%. where they took away your ability to even chat with your opponent. So you can't even like yell at them and say like, nice top decks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even say that. So yeah, the amount of salt is much less on those games. And, like the other cool thing about this is that every single thing that can be animated and can be fleshed out has been. Well, the, that's just the polish. Like, yeah, the just... polish is out of control. Yeah. It, like the thing shines from a distance. You're blinded by how polished it is. Yeah, 
Um, and if you guys are like to crack packs, they have the equivalent of that called loot crates, yeah. loot boxes. Sorry, loot crates a company. Yeah, they had to have the ability to have some microtransactions in there, of course. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't unlock better gameplay or like a stronger character. Just, just skins, skins. And, and spray paints and things you can use in the game for funsies. Just flavor. Overwatch, pretty sweet. Uh, Very good times. If you have not been checking it out, you should probably do that. Yeah. Speaking of people that checked it out, I think Alex Kessler is playing. Oh, yeah. Kessler is playing, but on PS4. I actually bought it originally for the PS4, and then you guys gave me so much shame that I bought it for the PC. So PC that, Master Race, Josh. Just I'll so this. I could play it with you guys. First-person shooters are infinitely better to me on a PC because with a mouse, you have the ability to really aim. And... It's better from gameplay, but I have a big TV, <laughs> and uh, now I'm playing it on a 17-inch lap- laptop monitor, which is fine, but I was playing it on like a huge TV, which you was awesome. You should link up. You should bring an HDMI cable over. But then I can't. Yeah, I don't know. But if the I'm, most important thing, Josh, is you're playing with friends. Yeah, that's true. It, it is fun playing with you guys, even though I'm horrible. You're getting better. I was watching you play. Yeah, we'll see. I was spectating. <laughs> um, nice. Speaking of Alice Kessler, the thanks for teeing that up. Yeah, uh, the Masters of Modern <laughs> podcast, hosted by Alex and Ben Bateman. You can find it on RocketJunk.com. Right next to us under the podcast tab, they talk about modern, the format, and all things competitive magic. Modern is really jumping these days. Yeah. Uh, definitely a fun listen, so check them out. I think you said rocketjunk.com, which is my new favorite. Rocket re- Junk. Re- rename for Rocket Jump. That's the parody Rocket if, yeah, Jump site. Or anytime we put out a bad video, I'm like, oh, that was such Rocket Junk. <laughs> But we never put that bad videos. Oh, on. your latest video is awesome. If you uh, guys pool have fart? It. Yeah. It's called Pool Fart. <laughs> that's all you need to know. I mean, well, no, you need to watch it, but that's... True. true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just go find it's it. Pretty it's pretty ridiculous. Awesome. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. YouTube.com slash Rocket Jump for that. Uh, you can also find our podcast online and on the webs uh, in video format, YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. It is edited by our editor, Terry Robertson. That's right. He does the video and the audio for this. Um, and he stitches in all these really cool animations thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. You can find at Living Cards MTG. Jeffrey has made his rounds now as the magic animator for the community. Um, he's done some awesome, awesome work, and he has a custom intro for us on the on the show as well. So if you guys haven't seen that, make sure you check it out. YouTube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And keep playing faster. <laughs> Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.